Welcome to the Geneva Center for Security Policy podcast. Thank you for tuning into our podcast, where we explore some of the latest global issues affecting peace, security, and international cooperation. In this week's episode, Fleur Hayworth, head of the GCSP's Gender and Inclusive Security Cluster, speaks with Rose Mabone, founder of The Legend Kenya, as we mark International Women's Day on March 8th. I'm really delighted to be with Rose Mabone today, uh, who is founder of The Legend in Kenya, who has been recognized by the African Union for her work on youth, peace and security and is working on a daily basis in her community in Nairobi. Rose, a very warm welcome. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for making the time. Could you just first of all tell us a little bit about where you are? Thank you so much, Fla, and uh, thank you to all our audience. I am Rose Mbone, and I'm the founder of The Legend Kenya. I was born and raised up in the informal settlement of Korogosho in Nairobi. This is the third largest clam, and uh, it carries um, people who live under $1 a day, or some even uh, 50 cents. So I, that, is, that is the community that uh, raised me and uh, made me who I am. Irrespective of the many challenges in that community, especially uh, violence-related uh, challenges, uh, issues of gender-based violence, issues of a uh, high rate of crime. It is still home and a very beautiful place to have been raised up in. If I was to go back in life, I'll still choose it because it really, the things I went through growing up really shaped who I am today. Wow, thanks so much for sharing that, Rose. And one of the reasons that we're so keen to interview you is to understand more about your work. And so my first question is, in fact, why did you establish the legend in Kenya? The reason why I established the legend in Kenya is because I, I was a victim of um, uh, crime and violence. I, I had a brother who was arrested in 2005 for participating in criminal activities because in Korogosho, by then, crime was like a lifestyle. Youths will drop out of school and pick crime as an alternative. Some will want to pick crime as a lifestyle because they want to live flashy lifestyle, but they have no uh, means of uh, being employed. They have no papers. They are, they are not educated. And some of them like felt like um, hard work, going to do casual labor was somehow hard work. So when my brother was arrested in 2005, he was released in 2012, March. In 2012, August, something terrible happened. He was shot dead. That thing pinched me. I felt a pain that I've never felt in my life. And I was confused because I didn't know what to do, where to start from, or even how to go about it. It took me months to process the reality that he's no more. I looked around and I saw the many families. In Korogosho, 10 families, you'll realize seven are victims of extrajudicial executions and they've lost uh, either their husbands, their their 
their sons, their uncles. So I felt there was a need to openly come out and talk about the issue of crime in a positive way that will benefit the community, the youths, and the security actors by then. Because there was a lot of uh, mistrust and there were a lot of issues of blame game. Youths will tell you, ah, the police are bad people. The, the, the only thing they know is to shoot, shoot to kill. And the police, in the other hand, are like a young person cannot just be clean, smart, and is not is living in Korokosho. So there was that issue of blame game, mistrust, and I felt now the only way to process my pain, the only way to make sure that another parent, another sister is not losing a brother, a son, a father, a breadwinner, is to openly talk about the issue of crime and directly engage both youths and the police. And I also felt like women were the key beneficiaries of these young people when they participate in criminal activities. So there was power in women because they are their mothers, their sisters, their wives, and they really know deep secrets of these young people. So that is what triggered me. Thank you so much, Rose. So you've had the mission. What does this actually mean on a daily basis? What do you do? The key pillars of our work include um, trauma healing awareness and resilience. This is to help people who are hurting to be able to process their pain so that they're able to help themselves and also support others who are hurting. This is because a person who is hurting will always find a way of hurting others. When, when hurting, you, you have to act. Sometimes you act in by hurting yourself or act out by hurting others. We also do dialogue, community dialogues between security actors, especially the police and uh, local administration chiefs, assistant chiefs, and the youth. This is to bridge the gap that uh, already exists where there is a lot of tension and blame games between both uh, these two parties. We also do uh, to give, we also empower youths with the tools of active nonviolence ways of countering violence and conflict. This is because uh, we have seen young people lose their lives because of grudge. When you offend me as Rose, I go and mobilize my friends my community, my family, and now you become our enemy. It is forgotten that you, you, offended, you offended me. Now you offended my family, you offended my friends, you offended my tribe. So these things, we have seen young people lose their lives because of such grudges. We also see young people lose their lives because of um, resources, competing for resources, either forcefully or sometimes by engaging in ways that are not so good. So giving them tools and information on active nonviolence helps them to process. When a situation happens, they are able to analyze what is the root cause of this problem and how can we solve it as a community. We look at the issue of disarmament and reintegration. Disarmament because in the community, the gun violence the gun, the, the, the sound of gun was so, was so high. The violence was on the rise. So 
we we are in a way championing for silencing these guns in our community making sure that they understand that it is okay to surrender an illegal firearm back to the government that uh, you can be given amnesty it is okay to if you come out from prison it is okay to come back and you be welcomed but if you face hostility then you are prepared enough psychologically that uh, this is a reaction as a result that something that happened in your in your past so it should not affect how you move forward in your life these are some of the key pillars that we really focus on and also making sure that we localize the youth peace and security the resolution in languages that are simple and best understood at the community level really working at the heart of prevention of building trust building a sense of psychological safety with what you're doing building confidence trying to get to the source of problems before they erupt and become even more complicated um from violence so rose that leads me actually onto my next question um how has the framework of the youth peace and security agenda helped you in your work the youth peace and security agenda is a uh, something that i'm really proud of because it's speaks directly about our day-to-day activities at the community level when i look at the four pillars of the youth peace and security when you look at protection sometimes it is terrible because even the community itself somehow doesn't understand that you can be protected by the state and it is okay to participate in uh, peace processes you are allowed there are some things that when they happen to you you are supposed to report them you are supposed to be protected and the perpetrators are supposed to be held accountable when you look at the pillar of disengagement and reintegration here we have so many young people who have come out of prison they were arrested and now they are out when i look at the pillar of reintegration we are making sure that we we take them through uh, the trauma healing process so that they are prepared sometimes the community will reject you just because you are a prison you are an inmate and you've just come out and this has been a, a very big challenge when you look at disengagement the moment you lead a disarmament process you are in a way disengaging the youths from participating in in violence and crime because you are encouraging them that you know what maybe you acquired this uh, illegal firearm in a in a in a in a way that uh, you are not even conscious when it happened now that you know it is in the wrong hand it is okay to surrender it back to the government the thing amnesty and i have seen like the disarmament process that we led in 2018 it was out of uh, the young person volunteering and coming down to me and saying rose you know i i i really need to take it back i don't know where to start from and i don't know how to go about it i tell him wait we will we will solve this problem both of us it is not your problem this is a community problem 
this is a Kenyan problem because you never know who the, the illegal firearm is going to harm next. You don't know the victim of this firearm. When you look at the, the, the participation uh, pillar, young people today in the community of Kenya are coming out strongly as peace actors. This is something that really touches my heart. When I look at other informal statements, I see peace champions. Today, the peace actors are appreciated and we are building partnerships. We are participating in different levels of peace, peace building in this community. And I have seen young people come together and do joint activities that even attract the national government. It is still a challenge, though, that, you know, uh, young people, especially, I want to narrow it down to young women. Female youths, normally they are looked down upon. And when they present their ideas, somehow it is not mature enough. It is perceived that that, that is just a, a, a young woman's opinion. What do you think uh, older women are saying? This has been a narrative that we are changing and challenging. And we are not doing it alone. We are doing it even with the male youths. I've seen them celebrate and, and, and hold our hands. And also the female youth is uh, facing gender discrimination. I really take my time to make sure that this youth peace and security agenda is localized at the community level. And I also make sure that I understand deeply the pillars because not everybody in my community can read and write. But when I understand, I am able now to speak it in a language that they understand better and also trying to make it artistic in a way that it is not like a theory class that will take you a whole day. Will uh, You know, it's not easy for somebody who has not been uh, enlightened or is not uh, educated to sit down and uh, ponder a lot of uh, information. But it is very easy when you do it practically. Then they are able to swim in your boat and understand your message. So Rose, what's been the impact of COVID on your community and on your work? I would like to mention that COVID-19 really was like an eye-opener because, yes, gender-based violence has been happening in, in the community, but this time it was too much. We could, we could just feel, and uh, you realize that especially women were really felt victims of uh, gender-based violence. Also, I would like to point out the issue of uh, economic impact on women, especially women and youths. When this COVID-19 came, it really hit hard. People who work casual laborers, they are not permanently employed. So most of them were laid off. And you're going back home, you have no salary because you're working and you're paid every day, every day. So there were a lot of conflicts in the house, uh, especially when a woman asks for food, then she will be beaten up because the man too is uh, is angry that they have no money 
they are they are not working so where do you expect this money to come from people were fighting domestic violence was really terrible you've you've also mentioned that um abortion has increased are you able to say anything about that when we were doing our food our weekly food distribution we targeted the most vulnerable people in the community especially the elderly the sick people with vulnerable conditions we when walking along the river bank we used to come across fetuses aborted fetuses and this was something that really was so traumatizing so this was something that really increased botched abortion because most women they were locked down with their abusers and their oppressor and some were even raped as a result they ended up being pregnant and also you could realize that sometimes people will take advantage especially of the people living with disabilities especially the women living with disabilities we came across of a case of one woman who was raped and she's a disabled woman and she became pregnant in the process and she said she couldn't keep that so as we all know abortion is not allowed it's not legal in this country so most of them they were opting for this botched abortion it was very high during this pandemic rose you've talked so eloquently about your professionalism your passion your ability to connect with people in the community and within the security sector what are your ambitions for the legend what's the next steps for you the legend currently we are coming up with a safe space and the aim is to bring a youth friendly environment where young people can nurture their talents young people can openly share and talk about the issues that affect them without fear of being victimized a safe space that a police officer can walk in or an, a security actor maybe a local chief a assistant chief can walk in and just share a word with the young people when we have this community conversation they are part of us i also look at the legend kenya as an umbrella and a shield if the sun is too hot outside there there will be an umbrella to provide shelter if the 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 conflicts are so much and the violence is on the rise there will be a shield this shield will be tools that will have passed with to young people of uh, active non-violence trauma healing awareness and resilience knowing their rights making sure that when they are out there they are peace ambassadors when you look at them you you're at peace with yourself I also see the legend Kenya partnering with other uh like-minded organizations to make sure that this journey we are not walking alone. There are several other organizations who are doing almost similar activities like the legend Kenya. Rose, it's been absolutely inspiring talking to you. I hope that you get the support you need to carry on this incredibly valuable work. you've helped to bring to life the concept of local community building youth peace and security women peace and security and you live those values that they are trying to bring out in society so 
Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us and we wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, Fla. And I look forward to future engagement and I, I really hope that one day this world will be a better, safe and peaceful place for our great, 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 great grandchildren. That's all we have now for today's episode. Thank you to Fleur Hayworth and Rose Maboni for joining us. Listen to us again next week to hear all of the latest insights on international peace and security. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Anchor FM, Apple iTunes, follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud. <laughs>